The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 17th chapter. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. I learned something about God the other day while playing hide-and-seek with my three-year-old grandson. When it was my turn to hide, I... Well, I hid. I tucked myself away behind a door or inside a closet so that he couldn't see me, and then I waited quietly while he searched and playfully called out, where are you? Eventually, he'd peek behind the door or into the closet, and upon seeing me joyfully proclaim, I see you, and then he would take his turn hiding. Now, his concept of hiding was way different than mine. He would tuck his head under a chair while his little legs were sticking out from beneath it. Or he'd hide behind a cupboard door and leave his head peeking over the top. Or he'd lay on the couch, bury his face in a pile of pillows, leaving the rest of his body completely visible. Often, he would hide in the very same room where I counted, so when I opened my eyes and announced, ready or not, here I come, I could see clearly where he was hiding. But I didn't let on. I pretended that I couldn't find him. I called out his name. I wondered aloud, where could he be? And each time, In a matter of seconds, I would hear noises. A knock on the wall, a stomp of the foot, a tiny voice making a tiny sound. And before I could find him, he would jump out and shout, here I am. It struck me that for him, the object of the game had very little to do with hiding or seeking. It was all about the showing and the telling. It was all about revealing. When I didn't discover him immediately, he would draw attention to himself in order to lead me to him, in order to help me see that he was right there in front of me, in order to show himself, in order to make sure I knew where he was. I think God is very much like that. We do not have a God who plays hide and seek. Rather, 
We have a God who is continually revealing himself to us, drawing our attention to him, making himself known, and leading us to see that he is always right here in our midst. Today is the last Sunday in Epiphany, which is known as the season of light and revelation. Every week since January 6th in the assigned gospel readings, we have been given glimpses into the identity of the baby who was born in the manger at Christmas. Now, a grown man, through the Bible readings over the last six weeks, we have seen Jesus as the one upon whom the Spirit descended and called Beloved, the one who casts out demons, the one who teaches with authority and like no other, the one who heals the sick and raises the dead. And today, we have before us the story that amounts to the climax of Epiphany. Here, Jesus is on full display. Here Jesus shows himself. Here Jesus is revealed in the fullness of his glory. Here Jesus is transfigured. Unfortunately, there is no way to adequately explain the transfiguration itself or even to describe it. What the disciples experienced on the mountain went way beyond human language. The gospel writers talked about it like this. Mark said, his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. Luke wrote, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And Matthew, you just heard it read a moment ago, he said, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. They tried to describe what they saw on that mountain, but certainly these words do not do justice to the experience itself. We can only imagine, in part, the wonder and the beauty they were blessed to behold. Preachers, authors, poets, musicians, and artists have for centuries attempted to capture the wonder and the mystery of the event. They have wrestled to put into words and images what took place. One might say they have tried to describe the indescribable. Madeline L'Engle, author of A Wrinkle in Time, described the transfiguration in a poem. She wrote... This is how he was, radiant, brilliant, carrying joy like a flaming sun in his hands. This is the way he was, is, from the beginning, and we cannot bear it. So he manned himself, came manifest to us, and there, on the mountain, they saw him, really saw him, saw his light. While it's true that the transfiguration itself may be indescribable, there is one thing that can be said of the transfiguration with absolute certainty and clarity, and that is this. In the event of the transfiguration, Jesus did not change. 
He did not become something that he wasn't. He did not, on that mountain, in that moment, all of a sudden turn into the Son of God. Jesus didn't just then become divine. The Gospel writer John told us as much when he wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you see? What happened in the transfiguration was that the identity of Jesus was shown, revealed in its fullest measure. The disciples saw the divinity of Christ on display, and then they heard the voice of God affirm it. This is my son, the beloved. It is very much, as La Engel wrote, this is the way he was, is, from the beginning. Jesus didn't change. What did change, however, was how the disciples saw him and understood him and received him. From the time of his prophesied coming, the identity of Jesus has been misunderstood and debated. There's always been confusion over his identity and his mission and his ministry. Some expected that when the promised one came, that he would be a warrior king, much like David. He would come to free them from their enemies and restore their land and their wealth and their happiness. Others anticipated a new Moses who would dramatically lead them out of slavery and into freedom, leaving their enemy behind. Some thought he was John the Baptist, some Elijah. Even the disciples, those who were closest to Jesus, those who witnessed firsthand the miracles and the healings and the raising of the dead, those who stood the best chance of understanding, even they had difficulty embracing the fullness of who Jesus of Nazareth was. But the transfiguration changed all that for them and for us. God revealed himself so that we might come to see him more fully, more clearly, more completely for who he is. It happened on the Mount of Transfiguration and it happens every single day in the midst of the most ordinary moments, moments that leave us in awe and move us to say yes. God is with us. I see you. This is the promise of the transfiguration. God is continually revealing himself to us, drawing our attention to him, showing himself, making himself known, and leading us to see, to really see that he is always, always right in our midst. Our God doesn't play hide-and-seek, but he does seem rather fond of show-and-tell. Before we can ask, where are you, we have a God who is announcing to us, here I am, here I am. In the name of our transfigured Lord, amen. <laughs>